We got another episode of Swings and Mishes coming your way. It is the summer. It's getting hot. And you know what else is hot? The deals over at Happy Car Sales and HappyCarsFlorida.com. My friend Louie, who my family has bought cars from, has the best deal around in all of South Florida. It's the ceiling summer savings. And check this out. You got your choice, folks. 0% interest. Did you hear what I just said? 0% interest or, get this, no payments on any car in his lot up to six months. Everybody qualifies. Good credit, bad credit, no credit. Did you hear me? Well, let me say it again. 0% interest or no payments on any car whatsoever for over six months. That's happycarsflorida.com. You can call him right now at 954-800-2449. That's 954-800-2449 or go to happycarsflorida.com. His location is 203 West State Road 84, Fort Lauderdale. Understand that my family has bought cars from Louis for 20 years. If you want to get yourself into a new car this summer, your kids may be going back to college or even back to school. Get a car right now, 954-800-2449, happycarsflorida.com, 0% interest, no payments for up to six months. Call right now. Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome back to another episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined, as always, by the one and only Craig Mish. Craig, how are you doing on this fine Thursday morning? Como esta? Yeah, yeah, we are back to that point where, Craig, we you, need to, there. <laughs> where you need to start bringing back the Spanish like earlier in the year. We're almost there. It has been a... Uh, a rough to say horrible. the least couple of weeks um that's putting it mildly yeah it feels like april again unfortunately it does. Um, yeah i mean look it's um you you knew that the marlins could take a possible step back and i would say you know about half the season has been has been fun to watch they've had some really exciting games uh the comeback for the braves was great isan diaz's first home run was great there's been some nice moments but overall, the season, I think, will be viewed as a disappointment on the Major League side for sure. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that there's still a month to play, and they still play some really good teams. So this is what I feared going into the games that I illustrated a few weeks ago on, uh, on Twitter, where they just have some serious, serious opponents. And they did not do well against the Dodgers. They did not do well against Colorado. They did not do well against Atlanta. And now they'll get Philadelphia this weekend uh, after, after today's game. And then they'll uh, they'll face the Punisher, Aquino, and the Reds are coming to town here. So, uh, look, we'll see how the season ends up. But we thought today on the podcast, since since we've done already two gloom and doom podcasts, more or less, right. where the sky was falling, to kind of go through some questions from everyone asking out there on on Twitter and on social media. And uh, so, Jeremy, what we're doing is kind of going through those questions. Jeremy is going to pick them. I do not know these questions in advance, so I will just be answering them as honestly as I possibly can. And for those of you who have followed us for the whole season and continue to follow us over at swingsandmissions.com and on the podcast as well, you know that you know, basically no one else in the country is giving you the kind of information that we're giving you here on Swings and Missions. I mean, you're getting uh, as much insight and as much inside info as possible with me. So I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. I'll give. I'll do my best, and we'll see if your 
questions, reveal anything interesting here on the podcast today. Yeah, this should be fun. Um, we, we got a lot of really great responses, so I appreciate everyone uh, taking the time uh, to think of their best questions and get back to us. So I'm just going to kind of scroll down here and, and somewhat randomly select. So um, the first question, and I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. You guys know what your questions were. Um, so I'm not going to try and, and ultimately butcher everyone's name. So I'm just going to go ahead and start reading the questions. You guys can go back through the replies and see who asked. Yeah, them. yeah, that's fine. Um, and I appreciate everybody's uh, questions for sure. And, and obviously, I, I held back from answering some stuff yesterday because I knew we were doing the podcast today. But in general, after as soon as the podcast is over starting tomorrow, if anybody has any questions moving forward about the Marlins, I always answer them on Twitter. I'm sorry I didn't in the last 24 hours just because that would have ruined the material here. So. Right, right. And so, and so right now, uh, we'll start here. Uh, one question was, there have been a handful of new coaches on Mattingly's staff this season. Which of those do you think has had the biggest impact on the young Marlins players or seems most likely to stick around long term? Sure. Okay, so uh, we'll start with uh, Mel Stottlemyre Jr. I mm -hmm. think if you want to look at a coach that I think is going to be important to bring back, I think it is him. He, from what I understand, is on a one-year deal, more or less the one-year deal from what I understand uh, was his doing. He, As much as the Marlins wanted to feel out Mel Jr., I have heard that Mel Jr. also wanted to feel out the Marlins. Uh, the other part of this, and I'm you know, not entirely sure, these are just some of the things that I've heard, is that while I think that he's enjoyed his time here and he's enjoyed the process, I think he's going to be very curious to see what Miami does at the end of the season in terms of a manager, if it is Don Mattingly returning or if it is someone else, and then he'll make his decision. I mean, there's no shortage of teams that would hire him. And even though, from a pitching perspective, things have really gone south, I think it's more of a, an element that the talent in the bullpen is so mm. thin and so worn out that that is kind of the reason. But the starting pitching has pretty much done their job, and I feel like he's gone out to the mound a number of different times and gotten the most out of his guys on separate pitches. So uh, he would be the only one at the time right now that I would say uh, is an important piece to bring back. Jeff Livesey and Eric Duncan I think will be back as hitting coaches, and then I'm not sure about uh, Don Mattingly, and I'm not sure, obviously, about Tim Wallach either because they kind of go hand-in-hand, hand. so it would, we would have to just kind of see how that works out. But Mel Stottlemyre Jr. would be at the top of the list, and for those of you who like to infer things and read through the lines, when Marlon CEO Derek Jeter went on the radio broadcast and he was asked specifically about coaches and the coaching staff, he went out of his way to mention Will Stottlemyre Jr. and didn't mention anyone else. Now, you could take that for what it is. You could say he loves him and doesn't love the other guys. You could say it means nothing. But I am just letting you know that that happened. I heard it happen and thought to myself, this is something I need to take note of because I think that ball has to start to get rolling or else they can end up losing Mel Stottlemyre Jr. to another team. All right. Yeah, I mean, obviously the starting pitching on this team has been one of the only bright spots for most of the year, and his impact was pretty obvious uh, from the get-go. Moving and we'll, we'll move back around to things currently happening, things happening in the future. Sure. So, so yeah. what we'll do now is, is it just sort of any big free agents or, or at least impact free agents that might, you know, have you heard might get signed this off season or at least considered maybe this off season. Cause obviously, you know, there, there are no things in place as of yet, but, but players that the Marlins may be looking at this off season that if you've heard anything about that. Yeah, I, I still think that they're going to try and attempt to play as many of the young players as possible, but they recognize 
that at least for 2020, they're going to need to sign a couple of players. My expectation would be that uh, regardless of, of how you feel about Harold Ramirez, and he's done a nice job, and I, and I think he'll be on the team for sure next year, is I think that they will have another uh, offensive option in left field next year. And if not left field, it would be right field. So I think a corner outfielder would be someone that they would sign. And unfortunately, at this point, if you even look at some of the free agent names, there really aren't a ton of ones that jump off the page. So it could come via trade. It could come via free agency. I know that uh, Castellanos on the Cubs mm. has been phenomenal for them. He hit his eighth home run already for them. He also had one of the wackiest post-game comments or pre-game mm. comments the other day yeah. saying that uh, every day is opening day. So I think that eliminates him, unfortunately, for the process <laughs> with the Marlins. Uh, American Heritage High School, by the way. So, um, yeah, so I, I really don't have any specifics. My expectation is, and, and I speculated this a few months ago, Jose Abreu would be a name that I think Miami would be interested in. But then what does that do to Garrett Cooper? I'm not sure. We'll also have to keep an eye and see if the Yankees end up picking the option up on Edwin Encarnacion. That could be a, a big play also. I, I don't think that they'll go out and sign anyone to a four- or five-year deal next year. I think you're looking at, again, one-year deals or two-year deals. But with $25 million or so coming off the books, it's my opinion that they should be responsible and spend some of that money to specifically upgrade the offense. So as we get closer to free agency, I'll get a better idea of names at this point, and, and we'll, we'll certainly see. And then another option for them, and be it as it may, I mean, depending on how Starling Castro feels about uh, staying with Miami, whether or not he wants to win, he has played a good third base, so Miami could – you know, offer him, you know, buy him out of his million dollars, offer him a one-year deal for, you know, two million or something like that. He plays third, Brian Anderson plays right field. And then, but then at that point, Miami goes back through this process again. If they get to July, do they trade him? Do they not? So we'll see. I would expect them to sign one corner outfielder, maybe one infielder, possibly one starting pitcher. And then they're going to have to spend a few million, not a lot, but spend a few million by getting a couple of veteran bullpen guys. Uh, instead of getting one Romo, Jeremy, they need like three, you know, like right. they, they need to get like two or three guys at two, three million a year. Don't go crazy and sign a closer for 10 million or something dumb like that. We see that never works, but mm -hmm. uh, that, that would be my expectation going into next year. The good news for everyone listening to this podcast is if you listened about a year ago at this time, we said, Oh, we're going to have, you know, as we really, for, we're first starting the podcast, we're actually coming up. Uh, actually we're a year today actually uh on, right? on on having these podcasts yeah it's a, it's a year since that yankee series uh back when we first started this podcast but if you were listening to that we told you we would have all the latest news and notes on the marlins as we head into the off season and all the breakdowns of the big trades i mean we literally had jt romuto on this podcast so you guys can be sure to know that we will have you updated as soon as there is any movement and that craig will have all of that information for yeah. you of course, yeah, and I'll and I believe I'll be at the winter meetings this year, but you know, um, guys like Ozuna, I don't think that they'll be in on. So I, I you know, I, I'm not sure that that would happen. Um, you know, it'll be like a one or two year deal outfielder. Right. Uh, Alex Gordon is an interesting name. He's had a comeback season. Uh, you know, he's he's of the older types, that's for sure. So that's someone maybe as Drupal Cabrera. I know these names aren't really exciting, but I do think that they have to take a step above what they did this year, which is basically giving a very short-term deal to Neil Walker and Curtis Granderson. And obviously, even though those guys are true pros and great guys, you would have to look back at the end of the season and say that th those didn't work out. I think they have to right. do better than that going into the next year. Right. 
All right. So you mentioned that they uh, could sign a starting pitcher. One of the last uh, starting pitchers that they did sign was Wei Yin Chen. Uh, and uh, we've had a few different people ask, Wei Yin Chen on the roster next year? I don't think so. I think that I think that either I, I don't I don't think anyone will take them unless they eat ninety five percent of the money, but I I don't think that they can bring them back because at that point there really isn't a point. But I will say this: I am disappointed, and and again I think Don Mattingly for the most part has done the best job that he can with the team. But I am really disappointed that they have not been able to be more creative with pitching. I really feel like in this day and age with half the league using openers and trying different things that there's just been a lack of creativity to try and, and get some of these guys into different positions. And really when you're looking at Chen and I think Brinson's a good example of this too, but when you're looking at Chen, I think you're looking at someone that you're, you're at your last hope here. So in the month of September, the bullpen hasn't worked. It didn't work as him as a, with him as a starter last year, except at home. So I would try him as an opener. The other thing that I would mention is I would put Ryan Stanek back in the opener spot. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, he was so good with Tampa there. Uh, and again, it doesn't have to be for a year, but why not try something new, innovative, especially, and I'm not saying to do it uh, you know, against the Phillies this weekend or against a team that's competitive, but when they play Kansas City or they play some of these teams in September, why not roll out some of the things that other teams are doing and see if you can have success with it? There's a reason that Tampa Bay is so successful and Oakland's been using openers. Pittsburgh's using openers. The Yankees are using Chad Green as their opener too. So I don't know that Chen would be successful as an opener, but we know right. over the course of Chen's career, he's always said, I feel a lot more comfortable when I know I'm going to start and I'm warming up in the bullpen. So why not go back down that road, pick your spot against him, find the team, that that's pretty lefty heavy, I suppose, to start a game, mm-hmm. start Chen in that game or start Stanek, bring Chen in as, as the middle guy. And what do you have to lose for two or three games for the rest right. of the season just to see if that works? And maybe that catches the eye of another team that says, hey, look, Chen can succeed in this role. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Stanek won't be a successful closer or successful eighth or ninth inning guy, but he's never done it. And he's right. been great as an opener. So why all of a sudden – does he have to move into the high leverage role? Why? Because why? Because they traded Trevor Richards and they traded Nick Anderson. Yeah, sure. That's the case. But when you're losing a hundred games anyway, I, I would advocate trying new things and, and hopefully for their sake, Arrhenius, Arrhenius, when he comes back, could be one of those guys that they could at least tinker with. But uh, you know, again, that's my only kind of beef here is that there's just such a lack of creativity at this stage of the game when they're so far out of it. And I'm not saying to tank or punt or just lose on purpose, but try and build value back for guys that you may not have here next year. And they're absolutely not doing that with Chen. It's just basically when they're out of the game, they bring them in and that's it. And, and if, and if you're and if you want to try and get anything for him, you got to do something different, but long story short answer is uh, I don't think he'll be back next year. Yeah. We've talked all year uh, about being able to put players in position to succeed. Um, and then what you're talking about here is, is trying something new to get the most out of a player. That's all it is. Um, and, and who knows whether or not there would be success, but it, it would have at least been worth or would be worth a try down the last month of the season or yeah. so. And what, and what happens in, in September when they play against the Royals, who are also 45 games under, mm-hmm. that if it doesn't work, what, what did you lose from that? I mean, right. what, but, but is the upside outweigh the downside? Of course it does. There's no, there's no doubt about that. What if Chen is a, is a great middle guy and Stanek is the opener and then the Marlins right. find the next year that they could do that? I just... It's my, it's my only beef at this point. You, they should have never used an opener in the first half of the season. They had five very good starting pitchers. But when you lose Pablo Lopez, 
and you lose Jose Arania, and you trade Zach Gallen, and now you're down to starting Hector Noesi and and trying to figure out who else you could start. You got Eliezer Hernandez, who I don't right. think in the rotation, but you know he's there too. Why why not try something new? And yeah, for that matter, they traded Trevor. There's Richard just there's well. they just won't do it. They just won't yeah. do it. All right, we're going to hop in a com- almost completely different direction. Someone asked us, what was the Blue Jays' offer for Christian Yelich when they made a run for him? Yeah, I've asked this question a lot. I've never got a definitive answer on it. But I know that Toronto was the, was the team that was in second uh, in the Yelich deal. And I also know without a doubt that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was never on the table for right. sure. So you can just kind of move on from that. I'm not clear if it was Bo Bichette or if it was Kevin Biggio or if it was one or if it was both, but I don't think that it was. I think Miami may have had an opportunity to get one of those two in a trade, but I don't think that it was both together. So Miami basically in that point, at that point went for volume as opposed to high end talent. And that's not to say that it may not work out with Diaz and it may not work out with Monte Harrison. Uh, We don't know. We'll still have to wait and see, but you know clearly uh, the trade that they made looks looks like uh, it's not going to end up well for them. At least in my opinion, I, I just can't sugarcoat it any other way. Like I mean, they may get two viable players out of this deal. Uh, it's certainly possible. I, I'm not worried about Diaz. I think he'll be okay. Harrison yeah. could end up being okay, uh, but the other two guys in the deal, I just uh, I'm I'm not gonna I'm, I'm I don't hmm. see it. So um, yeah, so that that that's really the deal with the Blue Jays. Uh, in terms of the Braves, the Braves were third in that in that um, in that discussion. Right, and and basically what the Marlins uh, wanted from Yelich was Ronald Acuna, and I and I think that no matter what Miami says when they're dealing within the division, they have these certain uh, parameters because from what I was told, they never went off Christian Yelich with that trade with the Acuna trade. They never they never asked for anybody else. It was it was Acuna or nothing and no matter how hard the Braves tried to get Yelich, they basically said no unless it's Acuna and so Miami moved on and they moved on to Milwaukee and Toronto and I was told that it, it wasn't even close. It was Milwaukee by far making the best offer, Toronto a distant second and then nobody else. Mm. Yeah, it's funny looking back on that and seeing, you know, where any of those prospects end up, which is always sort of what we do a year or two down the line. And, you know, we'll see again in the next year or two where where that sort of heads for the Marlins. And speaking of prospects that they've traded for, Jorge Guzman. Uh, we had a few different people ask about Jorge Guzman, who sort of just flipped the switch and turned it on in the second half of the year. And they're just sort of wondering more now what the Marlins think about Jorge Guzman, not necessarily like what changed for him, but more what do the Marlins think of Jorge Guzman? What's his value? We've talked a lot about Sixto Sanchez and Edward Cabrera as hot commodities for the Marlins. Are they as high on Jorge Guzman? No, I don't think so, but they think that Guzman could – be a piece of of the Marlins rotation I think they have him in their let's say top seven guys Mm. in the organization or top eight guys and I think that he's earned at least uh, an opportunity to show himself here in September if not I think that he'll be part of a seven or eight man rotation that they go in in spring training kind of like how they did last year uh, where they had some extra guys Dan Straley being one of those last year so right um, I, I think that he's got a chance to start I don't know what what you know how much time they'll give him an opportunity to do that. Some people feel that he needs to be a reliever because his arsenal is limited, but there's no doubt that he's been great at Jacksonville. So mm-hmm. hopefully he can be a part of their future. But if I had to, you know, kind of compare between Edward Cabrera, Sixto Sanchez, and Jorge Guzman, Guzman would be more in that 
uh, Nick Nider conversation, more of that sure. Trevor Rogers conversation as opposed to Sanchez and, uh, and Cabrera. And by the way, there are people both in the organization and outside the organization who told me that Edward Cabrera will be better than Sixto Sanchez. Edward Cabrera mm-hmm. is the number one prospect in the entire Miami Marlins organization. And there isn't even, it, it may have been close going into the season, but the value on Cabrera is they, Miami feels like he's their number one guy in the entire organization. Wow. Yeah. I, the way that he's skyrocketed as a prospect uh, this year has been really remarkable. And obviously he was someone that came in with some hype, but the way that he's skyrocketed has been great. If you guys do go to swingsandmissions.com, you can actually see a couple of different articles from us on Edward Cabrera, including uh, with an interview uh, from Louis Davila. So you can check that out on swingsandmissions.com. We just talked about Cabrera. We talked about Guzman. Sixto Sanchez. People want to know when Sixto Sanchez will be called up. Do you think that'll be this year, or do you think that's something that we'll see more next season, either straight out of spring training or maybe sometime around May or June? I think Sanchez goes in that line with with Guzman. I think that next year you go into spring training with Caleb Smith, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're also going to see Guzman get starts. I think you're going to see Sixto Sanchez get starts, and then maybe they bring in a veteran of some kind. If you know Yamamoto could obviously get starts and certainly could be in the mix for the rotation. But I think that uh, there's a chance Sixto breaks camp with the team, but it would be in the team's best interest to call him up in the middle of April or May. Uh, and, you know, I know no one wants to talk about the service time game, but that definitely plays a factor for sure. Miami is not winning the World Series next year. They have been uh, pretty much ignoring service time the Marlins have for the most part. Remember last year they called up Pablo and Sandy like out of nowhere right? and, and didn't really worry about the money. I don't think they're that conscious like some of the other teams. I think they do have more of an emphasis to win than to save money. But I wouldn't begrudge the Marlins if they went into April and had Sixto start in, uh, in Wichita, I guess it is next year. If he started right. there, made three or four starts. So I would say May or June for Sixto Sanchez next mm-hmm. year. And by the way, I would say May or June for Edward Cabrera too. Yeah, I, I think uh, it'll be really interesting to see those guys get called up considering you have sort of the three young guys that you expect to have back next year as long as obviously everyone remains healthy. Um, yeah, and, and that's, the, that's the point, Jeremy, because as much pitching as the Marlins had in May – and they were the only team in baseball for almost two months or two months to roll out their one through five. Look where they are now. I mean, it right. is night and day. They're starting Hector Noesi every yeah. five days. I mean, yep. that, that can't be the case 2020. So, yeah, I, I see Sixto and even mm-hmm. probably Edward Cabrera at some point. And then from what I'm understanding and just conversations that I seem to be having is that J.J. Boudet uh, would, would probably be a double-A guy to start the season, and then we'll see him in September of next year. It's exciting that he could be up that quickly. And, and For sure. I think he will. Yeah. It's, it's cool to see the competitiveness of that draft. You know, we talked about that going right into it is the immediate impact bats of what you can get with college baseball players that can kind of move through the organization quickly that way. So it would be really nice if at this time next year, when we're sitting here, we're having a conversation, JJ Bladez a week from getting called up and we've already seen 10 starts from Sixto and Edward Cabrera. That would make the 2020 season at the very least a little more entertaining uh, than what we've had over, over the last month or so. For sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, when it comes to the manager for next year, you know, we've already discussed uh, Don Mattingly and this isn't a question about whether or not Mattingly would be fired or resign or anything like that. But if Don Mattingly was not back next year, if people want to know some names of potential candidates that the Marlins might think about 
should Mattingly not be back in the managerial spot next season? Sure. A couple of things to start off with. The first thing is, is that going back to April, uh, I was asked this question a lot and I was very clear on it with respect to Don Mattingly, the player that he was, be growing up as a big Don Mattingly fan. It's an honor to see that guy and talk to him on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I leave the park and I think to myself, my gosh, I just spent the day talking to Don Mattingly. And that is like awesome to think that, man, like I grew up idolizing this guy. And, and here I am having the opportunity to interview him. I don't want ever, uh, people to ever lose sight of that, that I forget. Even though I'm in the media and I've been in the media for a long time, when, when you have a chance to interact as a media member with Michael Jordan and Don Mattingly, and, you know, I got to know Dale Murphy very well. I still know him very well. Andre Dawson. Um, it is, it's, I, I can't tell you how that feels to grow up in the 80s. So I have a ton of respect for him, and that's why I didn't really pound that firing drum or anything like that. Uh, but we got to call it how it is at this point. And, and look, I mean, he, I just don't, I just don't think he's going to be back. I mean, they're going to end up losing a hundred games again. What you'd have to ask yourself with Donnie is, is it his fault that they're going to lose a hundred? No, but let's, let's be real. Did Don Mattingly get more out of his players that he has on the roster this year than he could have? Did he get more out of them? Did they play better than they thought? Did they have this Oakland A's season where you can't name any of the guys and they end up winning 80 games? Hmm. The answer is no. The answer is no. They had, they, they had a season that everybody had pretty much expected and they had pretty much what the results were. So as I've talked about before, I don't think that he'll be back. I think that we'll find out about that over the next couple of weeks. And I certainly, uh, you know, I wish him well if, if indeed that is the case, but I don't have certainty on that. We could hear all of a sudden in a few weeks that they are bringing him back, which would be a mistake because then you're going to maybe have to fire Don Mattingly, which right now his contract is expiring and it would right. be a, a shaking of the hands and thank you for everything and goodbye, which is a lot easier than firing Don Mattingly. But right. Marlins can go about it the way that they want. Uh, Jorge Posada is not going to be the manager of the Miami Marlins next year. So let me be very clear on that so everybody understands it. Said it before. I'm going to say it again. Posada is not going to be the manager of the Marlins. He really enjoys his family. He enjoys the role that he has in the organization and the player development. I think you'll see even more of him in the future. But, uh, and, and maybe that everything changes in four or five years, but he will not be the manager. So anyone saying it on social media or anybody who thinks that they know that he's going to be the manager and they're guessing, you're wrong. It's not going to be him. So the candidates internally would be Trey Hillman, who is – uh, right now with the team, but you know, I, I think that while some people have told me that there's a good chance that he'll be manager, I've heard from some that maybe not. Uh, we've heard the name Joe Espada thrown out there, uh, base coach, uh, you know, very popular uh, with with big league players, with Latin players as well. Certainly, is a possibility. Carlos Beltran is another name that I think that would be interesting, but I don't know where Beltran stands in his life. I know that he interviewed with the Yankees and they ended up hiring Aaron Boone. But the question for me with Beltron specifically is, and I don't know the answer to this, but I got to know him a little bit when he was with Houston because they, they practiced here uh, or they had spring training here. But could Carlos Beltron hold daily court with media and talking every day and going, I, like, that's a big part of being the manager. You may not think it is, but it is huge, like interacting yeah. and telling everybody what's going on. And then the cameras go down and then there's the off the record mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Beltron fits that. They interviewed Mark DeRosa. Several years ago, Mike Hill did. Now, remember, it's a completely different regime now. DeRosa was the runner-up to Don Mattingly. They were so impressed with DeRosa, they almost hired him. But again, this was Jeffrey Luria, David Sampson, and that crew. So I, I don't know how they would feel about him this time around. 
So those are some of the names that would possibly be out there. My feeling is, Jeremy, there's going to be a name that's going to come out of nowhere, uh, hopefully by me, hopefully by <laughs> me, but there'll be a name that's going to come out of nowhere all of a sudden and become the next Marlins manager. I, 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 it may not be anyone that we're currently focused on, but certainly as soon as I have that, I'll, I'll do that. But I think it's also unfair to start saying like, oh, Trey Hillman's going to be the manager and Don Manley's still there. I will tell you this, when we get into September and we, when we continue to roll around the podcast and also the second the Marlins make this final decision or whenever they speak to Donnie, if they do decide to go that route, I absolutely will at that point jump right in. That will be my big next focus of what the Marlins decide to do. It's almost more of a key uh, as to who will be a part of this organization long term looking at what are they going to do with the manager position as opposed to some of these, you know, piecemeal free agents that we are going to talk about overall. Uh, another name that people just wanted to know about, and I'm just going to bring it up real quick just because he was one of the ones on this list that you did not bring up when we talked about corner oh, outfield, Yasiel Puig. No. All right. As simple as that. Uh, then aside from Sixto, here's another question just organizationally. Aside from Sixto and Edward Cabrera, prospects that the Marlins are very high on that might be a little under the radar in our eyes, in our okay. perspective? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think that they are higher on, on Encarnacion, Giro Encarnacion maybe, mm -hmm. than, than some other people are publicly or at least some of the publications. Mm -hmm. I think that would be one of them. Uh, I would also tell you that even though they drafted Peyton Burdick, that uh, J.D. Orr, a kid that they drafted there, is going to play and going to play with the Marlins at some point. I don't know if he'll be an extra outfielder or if he'll be a starting yeah. outfielder, but they absolutely love this kid too, both those kids from Wright State. So those are, I think, Jeremy, the only two names that yeah. I would think of at this point. They're really light in the hitting department, as, as everybody knows. Yeah. They're heavy in the pitching department. So, right. yeah, I think that's, that's kind of it for me. I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't, unfortunately don't have any other names. I think that, you know, we've, a, a lot of uh, South Florida's media and, and even us have spent so much time talking about the minor leagues that we have this crazy awareness right. <laughs> more than like right. 28 other teams in the big leagues. Uh, so I think everybody kind of knows everybody. Yeah, absolutely. J.D. Orr is an interesting one though. Uh, are the Marlins considering extending Brian Anderson this off season? Yeah, they have not spoken to Brian Anderson about an extension at all. It has not come up. Whether or not they decide to do that is to be determined. But it's, I, I could tell you that if there was any kind of conversation at all that had started, I would know, and they have not. So uh, I, I think that it's a possibility going into the offseason. Uh, but I would also say that in my opinion, and again, this is opinion, not fact, is that I don't think Anderson would be signing this deep discount deal right. uh, with the Marlins. I think that it would be a, a market value uh, type deal. I, I don't know if he's open to it or not because we're not there yet and it hasn't been approached. It certainly would make sense that you'd want to lock up one of your best players long term, but I don't know that, um, that, that Brian Anderson falls into the – the the the, the Ozzy Albies Acuna category yet right. like he's a really good player but is he a franchise player I don't know he he'd have to kind of take that next step for me they still would have some time for that but the easy answer to that would be basically have they dis have they discussed it the answer is no will they discuss it I don't know but there's no current discussion underway with with an extension for Brian Anderson 
All right. And we actually only have, because you're going through all of these and looking at, you know, basically all the different compositions. There's only one more question that came up multiple times. Okay. Let's end with this. Are the Marlins considering bringing in the outfield walls? <laughs> That's yeah, that, the big it, question. Yeah, we don't know. That, that came up the other day uh, in, in the media session, and, uh, and the Marlins CEO Derek Jeter said maybe. Uh, I haven't gotten any further indication of that. I'll stay on it at this point. You know, I, I think that the, the drum was pounding loud enough on that for that to be a possibility. And then the Dodgers came to town and showed that it doesn't matter how yep. back the walls are. And I've heard some rumblings about that too. But, you know, the other thing too is that it could be tough for Miami to acquire free agents because they think that it's really hard to hit home runs yeah. there. But I think it's it's harder to acquire free agents from Miami because they see the environment there where fans have over the last couple of years, not flocked to the ballpark. I think mm. that to me is more of an issue than the, than the fences are, but yeah, I mean, I, I could certainly could see it happen, but being fully transparent, my answer is on that one. I don't know. And there's been no additional information provided to me since that media session, but Derek Jeter could very have easily said no, right. Because he has in the past said no, or, I'm not going to talk about it, but he said maybe. So that uh, a Derek Jeter maybe is is more toward the yes side for me than so anything you're else. Saying there's a chance, I, I think there's a chance, but I would be foolish to speculate and say something. That right. would be me talking out of out of context and not knowing. My opinion is in the off season they will make an adjustment to the outfield. Mm. That's my opinion though, and, and I don't right. think it'll be a significant one. But I do I do think that they will they will make one. Although man, like I said, the Dodgers came in and said. Nah, we don't care yeah, about your fences. It doesn't matter what about your fences. We're going to hit them out regardless. And look, Ozuna used to hit them out like crazy. Those and Stan were... used to hit them out like crazy. And Borden seemed to have a hard time. Right. And, I, and I think the other unfair part of it, too, is that, like, as, as if, if you cover the Marlins and you could see this happening, it's like Brian Anderson hits a shot to the wall and it, it could have gone over. Oh, that's Marlins Park. But I got to tell you, the other guys do it, too. The other players do it, too. No one mentions it. They hit balls back to the wall. Oh, Brinson, he made a great catch. You know, that could have been out too. Right. So it works both ways, honestly, I think. Um, Unless you're the Dodgers who just decide we're going to hit it 75 feet past wherever your fences are. Uh, But as we wrap this up, are there any uh, final little news and notes that you want to add here for the Marlins as we head into, you know, almost the September call-ups here, almost, you know, the, the very end of this season, you know, we covered, quite a bit here so I can't imagine there's much more you might want to add yeah I think that you're looking at a team in Philadelphia that's that's pushing for the postseason this weekend so that certainly will be a lot of fun uh but in terms of me you know covering the Marlins uh you know I'll be there for the Red Series and I'll be there Friday night but Jeremy Saturday night I got other business to attend to in a Mm -hmm. big college football game so I'm gonna be sitting that out (laughs) I'll be sitting that out and we're going to talk some college football coming up here now. But I do want to apologize to all the South Florida fans who are Hurricanes fans who follow me. I attended the University of Florida, and I am a Gator, and I graduated in 1995. I will be rooting for the Gators on Saturday. Yeah, it's really cool that you uh, both of those teams are playing in the hometown of the actual best team in the state. It's <laughs> great. Move on. Move on. <laughs> all right. We're going to wrap this up, and we're going to get to some college football with a very special guest. So, You guys are going to want to stay tuned for this one. Before we get to our college football preview here of Miami and Florida on Swings and Mishes, want to welcome back Bet DSI 
to our podcast again this year. You can head on over to BetDSI and basically wager on anything, college football, pro football, futures in the NFL. As a matter of fact, they have all of the college football win totals for the season up as well. Just go over to BetDSI and get down on that. Remember to use promo code SWINGS101. That is SWINGS101. And you're going to get a deposit bonus of up to 100% to the first $1,500 that you deposit. BetDSI.com. Fast payouts. Very reliable. They've been around for a couple of decades. And if you are going to wager on sports this year, head on over to BetDSI, a sponsor of the Swings and Mishes podcast. And always use promo code SWINGS101. And we thought we would liven things up from the question and answer session. Of course, we got two college football games this weekend and throughout the college football season. It's time to bring in a new expert here on the show for a few minutes each week to talk some college football. So we thought we would lean on the Dean machine. Austin Dean is joining us here on Swings and Mishes. Uh, Austin, thanks for being our college football analyst this year. How are you? Oh, I'm so excited, man. I cannot tell you enough. This is like... You know, everybody gets excited about Christmas. Uh, you know, college football is definitely above that. <laughs> and, you know, we are just days away. Even though we only got two games this first week, it's so exciting just to hear college football smiling back. Yeah, and next week, by the way, uh, Austin will, uh, will be with us and he'll break down the full schedule. We'll pick games uh, here on Swings and Mishes. We'll do a few-minute segment each week. Maybe we'll expand it. You never know. But we'll, uh, let's start off, Austin, with this week's big game. Uh, everyone here, of course, in South Florida is interested, and I know that you know, especially when the season is over for you on Saturdays, no one, you know, no one could get you to move. Sarah, anybody else? Uh, Miami and Florida, the Hurricanes and Gators—they're going to play this game in Orlando. And um, and look, you know, Austin, I'm a Gator here, so I'm biased. I thought it would be best <laughs> best to be bringing on somebody who's not biased in this situation. So, how do you see this game playing out on Saturday? Well, so it's going to be the first time they've uh, played each other since 2013, and Miami came away with a 21-16 victory. So, you know, there's been some time passing, all right? You know, a couple years. Well, a little bit more than a couple. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a really exciting game, uh, especially for the first week. You know, this is going to be a tough matchup for at least Miami, in my opinion. You know, a lot of the teams out there, they kind of go with a, you know, a tune-up game, kind of like the lower, you know, lower end schools just to kind of get their feet wet, kind of get the kinks out from everything. But, you know, from last year's, uh, from last year's season for, uh, for Florida, you know, they had 10 and three record. It's pretty good. You know, and all three losses last year came in conference. So again, you know, I thought they had a pretty good season. Uh, their quarterback was a Felipe Frank. Yep. Dude, six, 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 two thirty. That is a big dude. <laughs> that is a, that's a big dude for a quarterback. All right. He rushed for 350 yards last year and he threw for 2,400 with 24 touchdowns and six interceptions. So I think some exciting things going to happen for that guy this year. You know, he was, I think a sophomore, yeah, sophomore last year. So he's, he has a lot of experience, I feel like. And then, you know, we've all heard the buzz of Miami lately. You know, they're, they're going to go with the red shirt freshman, uh, Jaron Williams over Tate Martell. Right. And man, that's the one I want to talk about okay, right it. there. Go for it. So, I saw Tate Martell around just a little bit. I, I first saw him on the uh, documentary show uh, QB1. Mm -hmm. So, they followed three high school uh, quarterbacks that are uh, you know, top in the nation. 
and they fall around their senior year. So I, I watched the show and just watching just him as a quarterback and him off the field, this dude's a stud. He can run, he can pass. Now, credit, there is some baggage that comes with him. You know, he, he's one of those hotheads that thinks he can do no wrong. He thinks he's invincible. And it didn't surprise me when when it came out that Miami is going with Jaron Williams. And then the next day you hear, oh, Tay Martell doesn't show up to practice. Mm. I feel like he's just not – I feel like he's just not committed or he's just – something's going – there's something going on there. It, that doesn't seem right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, no, I'm, yeah, I mean, he's went to the transfer portal – uh, like three times or something like that. Yeah, it's incredible. Right, so, 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 so before I want to ask you one other thing about college football, but give me your final prediction on Miami uh, and and the, the Gators and Hurricanes on Saturday. You got a final score for me? What do you think happened? I got Florida beating Miami by three touchdowns. Wow, three touchdowns, Austin Dean. You thought he was my favorite player before? Double down <laughs> on Austin Dean. <laughs> For sure. All right. He's just yeah, trying to get into the good graces to get the. I know you're a big Miami, a big Miami fan, but you listen on the on, on swings and misses. We keep it real. You know that Austin. We got to keep it real here. Oh, 100%. On, on, on this. Okay. All right. So uh, last last one before we let you go, and then next week we'll bring you back. We'll do a full uh, a full breakdown, and uh, Austin will uh, sound great. He's on the phone today, but we got all new equipment and everything coming from him. We'll get him on every week of the college football season. Uh, give me like a sleeper team in college football or give me your final four. I mean, everyone's picking Clemson and Alabama. They probably should, Austin, honestly. But uh, beyond that, who do you like in the final four or any kind of sleepers to get in there? Man, I'm so tired of hearing Clemson and Alabama. I, I'm ready for that era to be over with, especially Alabama. But, you know, sleeper-wise, it's, it's so hard to tell right now because we all know that Clemson's going to be up there. Alabama's definitely going to be up there. You know, and Georgia's probably going to sneak in. But, you know, my top four, as I have it right now, is going to be Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma. And, honestly, I, I, Florida could be up there, but it's, it's probably going to be hard with the, uh, with the schedule they have. Right. But, man, it could even be – it could be Washington. It could be what we had last year. It'd be unfortunate. But, you know, it, it's so early to tell right now, but – it, it, it's gonna. It's probably gonna be Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma. The top four that it is right now on the uh, AP Top Twenty Five. Okay, so here's what we'll do throughout the season. If you have an opinion and you want to change, uh, you know, we'll kind of go through that throughout the year, and we'll go through it next week. You'll pick your favorite games on the board. We'll go over some final scores, and uh, officially, Austin Dean will be our college football analyst here for 2019 and of course through 2020. Austin, thank you again for coming on Swings and Mishes. Really appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you next week. This is week zero, really, in college. And next week is week one. I look forward to doing it. Have a great week, okay? I appreciate it. Thank you. I want to invite everyone who is a loyal listener to our Swings and Mishes 2019 pool, our NFL Pick'em pool against the spread. It's absolutely free to join and there will be a fantastic prize at the end of the season. All you have to do is go to our Twitter handle 
at Swings and Mishes, and the link will take you right in. You pick five teams each week against the spread. It is free to join. There'll be a prize that we will be announcing over the next couple of weeks at the end of the season before the NFL season starts. Just go to our Twitter handle right now, at Swings and Mishes, or go to swingsandmishes.com. Click on the link and register. It is free to join. Pick five teams in the NFL each week against the spread. It's our Swings and Mishes 2019 pool. Get in now.